forgives our sins, and cleanses us from all unrighteousness. Let us then confess our sins unto God our Father. Most merciful God, we confess that we are by nature sinful and unclean. We have sinned against you in thought, word, and deed, by what we have done and by what we have left undone. We have not loved you with our whole heart. We have not loved our neighbors as ourselves. We justly deserve your present and eternal punishment. For the sake of your Son, Jesus Christ, have mercy on us. Forgive us, renew us, and lead us, so that we may delight in your will and walk in your ways to the glory of your holy name. Amen. Almighty God, in his mercy, has given his only Son to die for you, and for his sake forgives you all of your sins. As a called and ordained servant of the word, I therefore forgive you your sin in the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. O wisdom proceeding from the mouth of the Most High, pervading and permeating all creation, mightily ordering of all things, come and teach us the way of prudence. Behold, your King is coming to you, righteous and having salvation. Save us, we pray. and for all who offer 
Let us pray to the Lord. Comfort and defend us, gracious Lord. we may be rescued from the threatening perils of our sins and saved by your mighty deliverance. For you live and reign with the Father and the Holy Spirit, one God, now and forever. Amen.
Before the readings of today's lessons, the service bulletin uh, correction, the last hymn of the day is 331, as is posted on the hymn board, uh, not uh, the 850 that's posted in the service uh, folder. The lessons for this, the first Sunday in Advent. The Old Testament lesson from the second chapter of the prophet Isaiah, verses 1 through 5. The word that Isaiah, the son of Amaz, saw concerning Judah and Jerusalem, it shall come to pass in the latter days that the mountain of the house of the Lord shall be established as the highest of the mountains and shall be lifted up above the hills and all the nations shall flow to it. And many people shall come and say, come, let us go up to the mountain of the Lord, to the house of the God of Jacob, that he may teach us his ways and that we may walk in his paths. For out of Zion shall go the law and the word of the Lord from Jerusalem, and he shall judge between the nations and shall decide disputes for many peoples, and they shall beat their swords into plowshares and their spears into pruning hooks, and nation shall not lift up sword against nation, and neither shall they learn war any more. O house of Jacob, come, let us walk in the light of the Lord. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Epistle lesson from the 13th chapter of Paul's letter to the Romans, verses 11 through 14. Besides this, you know the time that the hour has come for you to wake from sleep, for salvation is nearer to us now than when we first believed. The night is far gone, the day is at hand, so then let us cast off the works of darkness and put on the armor of light. Let us walk properly as in the daytime, not in orgies and drunkenness, not in sexual immorality and sensuality, not in quarreling and jealousy, but put on the Lord Jesus Christ and make no provision for the flesh to gratify its desires. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God.
We stand in respect of Christ, of whom the Holy Gospel is read. Gospel according to St. Matthew, the 21st chapter. Glory to you, o Lord. Now when they drew near to Jerusalem and came to Bethphage, to the Mount of Olives, then Jesus sent two disciples, saying to them, Go into the village in front of you, and immediately you will find a donkey tied and a colt with her. Untie them and bring them to me. If anyone says anything to you, you shall say, The Lord needs them, and he will send them at once. This took place to fulfill what was spoken by the prophet, saying, Say to the daughter of Zion, Behold, your king is coming to you, humble, and mounted on a donkey, and on a colt, the foal of the beast of burden. The disciples went and did as Jesus had directed them, they brought the donkey and the colt and put on them their cloaks, and he sat on them. And most of the crowd spread their cloaks on the road, and others cut branches from the trees and spread them on the road. And the crowds that went before him and that followed him were shouting, Hosanna to the Son of David! Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord! Hosanna in the highest! And when he entered Jerusalem, the whole city was stirred up, saying, Who is this? And the crowd said, This is the prophet Jesus from Nazareth of Galilee. This is the gospel of our Lord. Praise to you, o we confess our holy Christian faith in the words of the Nicene Creed. I believe in one God, the Father Almighty, maker of heaven and earth, and of all things visible and invisible and in one Lord Jesus Christ, the only begotten Son of God, begotten of his Father before all worlds, God of God, light of light, very God of very God, begotten, not made, being of one substance with the Father, by whom all things were made, who for us men and for our salvation came down from heaven and was incarnate by the Holy Spirit of the Virgin Mary, and was made man, and was crucified also for us under Pontius Pilate. He suffered and was buried, and the third day he rose again according to the scriptures, and ascended into heaven, and sits at the right hand of the Father. And he will come again with glory to judge both the living and the dead, whose kingdom will have no end. And I believe in the Holy Spirit the Lord and giver of life, who proceeds from the Father and the Son, who with the Father and the Son together is worshipped and glorified, who spoke by the prophets. And I believe in one holy Christian and apostolic church. I acknowledge one baptism for the remission of sins, and I look for the resurrection of the dead 
and the life of the world to come. Amen. from God our Father and from our Lord and our Savior Jesus Christ. Our text for this, the first Sunday of the church year and the first Sunday in the season of Advent is from the Gospel reading. And St. Matthew writes, Then the disciples brought the donkey and the colt and put on them their cloaks, and he sat on them. Most of the crowd spread their cloaks on the road, and others cut branches from the trees and spread them on the road. And the crowds that went before him and those that followed were shouting, Hosanna to the son of David. Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. So far our text. Dear friends in our Lord Jesus Christ, 
proper reception can be critical. I'm talking about protocol. The proper way of meeting someone or greeting someone and sometimes even seating someone. Important people, whether foreign dignitaries or guests at events of state or even local official, officials, there's, there's a right way, there's a proper way to do it. And so if it'll help you plan for the next time you have guests over, this is how it works. The President of the United States, if present, outranks all others. Second rank, if present, is the Vice President of the United States. There are no exceptions to these if you're holding an event of state. If you're just having them over for dinner, you seat them however you want. Note also that within his or her home state, the governors rank first if the president and vice president are, are not in attendance. At a function hosted within his or her own city, the mayor is highest rank. Of course, in the absence of the president and the vice president and the governor. There's protocol. Protocol. International protocol has just as many do's and don'ts. It's said that when greeting a state dignitary from another land with whom you'd have little or no familiarity, then formality is the key. And honorifics should be used. Honorifics, the technical term for those titles that confer honor. It's said they should always be used. When making introductions, it's important to introduce the junior person to the senior person, regardless of gender, regardless of international origin. Details to all this protocol. Royalty, too, has its own way of meeting and greeting. What do you do when you encounter Malaysian royalty? Well, as good red-blooded Americans, we'd likely extend our hand in greeting. No, don't do that. Protocol says let them extend their hand to you first. And when greeting the king, protocol decrees that your hands should first be brought together and, and then brought to your forehead. Protocol. All this protocol, how we meet and how we greet, and how we welcome a right. Well, you know that that's not exactly what we meant just a moment ago when we sang, O oh Lord, how shall I meet you? How welcome you a right? We're talking, we weren't rather, talking about the technicalities of proper protocol and etiquette. After all, what does the handbook say when it comes to meeting the king of all kings? The one of whom scripture says every knee shall bow in heaven and on earth and under the earth. What would be the etiquette? Would it involve spreading our cloaks, the best of our cloaks before him at least? Would it consist of raising our voices in due praise? I'm sure. But exactly what the perfect praise of heaven will look like and sound like? I guess for heaven we'll have to, to wait for that. But do remember what Christ said, even in the context of our reading today, from the lips of infants and children, our Lord has perfected praise. Whatever the protocol, though, whatever the etiquette for receiving the King of Kings, this we know for certain. That our very highest, our very highest praise would be the very least that we could offer. Our highest praise would be fitting, but eagerness, eagerness too would be only fitting. And isn't that how creatures should 
Isn't that how we ought to receive our Creator? The well-known hymnist Isaac Watts, you know his name perhaps, English hymn writer who wrote at least 15 of the hymns we have in our hymnal. Isaac Watts thought that eagerness is something that should accompany those who welcome their Creator. He thought it was how we ought to, rather he articulated well how we ought to rightfully and properly receive our Creator King. And you know the words with which he used to to do this. We'll sing them in a matter of weeks now. He wrote, Joy to the world. The Lord is come, let earth receive her King. Let every heart prepare him room in heaven and nature sing. Joy to the earth, he wrote. The Savior reigns, let all their songs employ while fields and floods, rocks, hills and plains repeat the sounding joy. Rocks, hills, and plains, even the very stones would cry out, wouldn't they? As our Lord said, even the very stones would cry out if that rightful and that eager praise by mankind were silenced. Eagerness. It's only fitting. But notice I didn't say it was only natural. Because natural it is not. Natural it is not. By nature, not by created nature, mind you, but by our sinful nature, we human creatures do not gladly receive him who comes to us. And here, the fields and floods, rocks, hills, and plains, they could teach us quite a lesson. And that's what's so ironic, that Christ Jesus didn't come into the world for the fields and floods, rocks, hills, and plains. He came for us. He came for you and me. Christ Jesus came into the world, Paul says, to save sinners like you and me. It's like we regularly confess. It's like we did just a moment ago. For us men, for mankind, and for our salvation, he came down from heaven, not for any other creature. Not for any other creature, not even for the angels. Do you ever think of that? Not even for the angels. And not only did he come to us, he became us. That's what we confess when we say, and he was incarnate, he was enfleshed, enfleshed by the Holy Spirit and was made man. And was made you and me. He is not ashamed, says the writer of Hebrews, he is not ashamed to call us brothers. Which of the angels can say that? And yet by nature we don't embrace his coming to us and his coming for us to his own, his own flesh and blood. He came and for his own he came and how did his own receive him? St. John tells us how we did. He came to his own and his own did not receive him. Or how did Isaiah put it? He was despised and rejected of men. Cold receptivity to Christ. That's a story as old as sin itself, but yet unfolding anew with each new day, for there's nothing new under the sun. Even for us Christians, that old sinful nature with all of its old tendencies, it sticks around, doesn't it? That's why... When our Lord does come to us and when he does come for us 
as he does today on, a, on this Sunday, on any Sunday, at the end of a long and a hard week perhaps, a hard and long week of, of work or, or school, or a week full of worries and concerns, that old nature, that's the reason why at the end of a week like this one on Sunday, when our Lord comes to us, why at times we find it so difficult to come to him. We're not always so eager to greet him and, and to meet him and to receive him and receive from him the good things that he brings. And whether he's coming to forgive us as he does in this divine service or he's coming to fashion us as he does through those difficult and those, those challenging situations of life, whichever and, and however he comes to us, we're not always so eager, are we, to, to embrace his coming. We're not always so eager to embrace his coming. That's the truth. And that's the problem. But you know, that's also the point. That's also the point. His coming isn't determined by our proper eagerness to receive him. Or maybe I should say our improper meagerness in receiving him. It's not determined by that. For, and for this we can be eternally grateful. Because if it was determined by this, he would never come. He would never come to us or for us, but rather, but rather, friends, God in his, in his goodness, in God's gracious fashion, his coming, whether it be into the flesh at Christmas or in flesh and blood into the bread and wine at, at Holy Communion, his coming rests with his eagerness to receive us. I'm going to say that again. His coming rests with his eagerness to receive us and not the other way around. And that's why. That's why I think Luke records of this same account the triumphal entry into Jerusalem. That's why in Luke's account he records that Jesus, after concluding his preaching, he writes, went on ahead to Jerusalem. He went on ahead. To Jerusalem. True enough, the crowds that received him in Jerusalem. That day gave up the shout that was certainly due him. Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. But that's not why he came to receive their praise. Don't you think he knew well how sour by that good Friday, how, how sour the sweet Sunday chant would have become? By Friday, you know what they were shouting. No longer blessed is he, but crucify him. Jerusalem was not the receptive city to God that at first our text might indicate. In fact, it's for her habit of cold and cruel reception that Christ had lamented over her. Remember what he said. Jerusalem. Jerusalem, the one who kills the prophets and stones those who are sent to her on behalf of me to speak for me as I come to you. How often I've wanted to gather your children together as a hen gathers her brood under her wing. But you were not willing, Jerusalem. And so he said, I say to you, you shall not see me again until the time comes when you say, blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. But now with our text today, that time had come. That time at Jerusalem had come, but it wasn't because Jerusalem then, or any of us in our lives today, of ourselves, 
changed then or, or changed now our receptivity to him. It was because Jesus Christ, undaunted and undeterred by human reception and human reaction, because Jesus, for the sake of human redemption, went on ahead. Went on ahead to the cross. The cold and the callous and the ungrateful way that humankind handled his creator and nailed him to a cross, that should have sealed our fate eternally. And yet even upon that cross, despised and rejected as he was, his love, his love, his love did not grow cold. And it did not grow sour. But love spoke, saying, Father, forgive them. You heard it last week. Father, forgive them, for they know not what they do. It was not the warmth of our reception that brought him into the flesh. It was not the warmth of our reception that brought him to the cross. It's never the tenderness of our hearts that brings him still to us in word and in sacrament. It's the warmth and the tenderness of Christ's heart that brought him then and that keeps him coming to us still. Recall again the words of our sermon hymn. Listen to the way that hymnist Paul Gerhardt, whom or who we who we commemorate this year in his 400 years of, as you know, of service to the church and to our Lord. Listen to the way that Paul Gerhard, this poet, as he's been called, this poet of the cross, so beautifully spells all of that out. In the last verse of that hymn that we sang today, he writes, Love caused your incarnation. Love brought you down to me. Your thirst for my salvation procured my liberty. O love beyond all telling that led you to embrace in love, all love excelling our lost and fallen race. What an embrace. What an embrace. And St. Paul reminds us of it when he says, while we were yet sinners, while we were yet enemies of God, Christ died for the ungodly. That's what scripture says. St. John says it too. Make sure that, that it's understood when he writes, in this is love. Not that we loved God, but that he loved us and he did it first. He loved us and sent his son to be the propitiation for our sins. For your sins and mine. All of our sins and every last one of those sins that bothers you still today. It's done and taken care of in Christ. And because he did, because he did so love us, then we in turn, we love him too. Martin Luther captured this sequence, this proper sequence, in simple eloquence, the way that he so often does, in simple eloquence, in that communion hymn of his that we sing from time to time, O oh Lord, we praise thee, bless thee, and adore thee. You know the hymn, and I think you know this phrase from the hymn too. Lord, your kindness... So much did move you that your blood now moves us to love you. All our debt you have paid, peace with God once more is made. O oh Lord, have mercy. 
That's His embrace of us. His embrace. I'm reminded of a piece of of rather modern and contemporary Christian artwork. It's a very popular piece these days. Perhaps some of you have seen it. It well might be that some of you have it hanging in your homes. It depicts Christ Jesus welcoming a man to himself in a very full and a very warm embrace. Now as you view the picture, the man's back is to you. And so you, you can't see his face. Might as well be you. No doubt it is you. Can't see his face, but you don't need to see his face. Because this painting's not about his face. You don't need to see his face because you can see the face of Christ who so dearly embraces him. In his face, Christ's face, is the entire meaning, the entire tension, intention of this piece of artwork revealed for in his face, in the expression in his face, you see all at once eagerness, eagerness and joy and love and gladness like that of the father over the returning prodigal son. All of these things all at one time and so much more captured by the artist in that one single facial expression of the embracing Christ. Friends, we begin this Advent season today with the thought, O Lord, how shall I greet thee? Friends, how has he greeted us? How has he welcomed us? And when we consider it, then we can't help but raise our voices in eager and thankful praise and say with them all, Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord, in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. Amen.
Chandra Romero. We pray that her recovery may be speedy and complete. Be with Paul Bruno as he prepares for surgery in the coming weeks and grant your daily strength to all who need it to contend with the chronic illnesses and diseases they confront, especially Paul Duell and Chris and Dennis Hines, Robert and Dorothy Latham, Dick and Elsie Munch, Martin Borgenhagen, Hugh Ryan. Embrace these and others with your love, that in their suffering they may know that love. Be their rock and their refuge in this time of, of trouble, and be also the rock and refuge to those who suffer loss, and help them to look to you for confidence and for strength in the time of need. Lord, in your mercy, hear our prayer. O Lord Jesus, you once entered Jerusalem to shouts of Hosanna to the Son of David. Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. As you come to us again today in your holy body and blood, we also cry out Hosanna to the Son of David. Blessed are you, Lord Jesus, who saves us from our sins, United in the fellowship of this altar with the saints on earth and the saints in heaven, give us hearts trusting in the forgiveness that you give to us through your very body and blood here received. Lord, in your mercy, hear our prayer. Into your hands, O Father, we commend all for whom we pray, trusting in your mercy through Jesus Christ, our Lord. Amen. The Lord be with you. and salutary that we should at all times and in all places give thanks to you holy father our lord jesus christ whose way john the baptist prepared proclaiming him the promised messiah the very lamb of god who takes away the sin of the world and calling sinners to repentance that they might escape from the wrath to be revealed when he comes again in glory and therefore with angels and archangels and with all the company of heaven we laud and magnify your glorious name, evermore praising you and saying, Holy, Holy, Holy Lord, Lord and Lord, and earth are of your glory. Oh, Blessed are you, Lord of heaven and earth, for you have had mercy on those whom you created and sent your only begotten Son into our flesh to bear our sin and be our Savior. With repentant joy we receive the salvation accomplished for us by the all-availing sacrifice of his body and his blood on the cross. Gathered in the name and the remembrance of Jesus, we beg you, O Lord, to forgive, renew, and strengthen us with your word and spirit. Grant us faithfully to eat his body and drink his blood, as he bids us do in his own testament. Gather us together, we pray, from the ends of the earth to celebrate with all the faithful the marriage feast of the Lamb and his kingdom, which has no end. 
graciously receive our prayers, deliver and preserve us. To you alone, O Father, be all glory, honor, and worship with the Son and the Holy Spirit, one God, now and forever. Amen. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our trespasses, as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom, and the power, and the glory, forever and ever. Amen. Our Lord Jesus Christ, on the night when he was betrayed, took bread, and when he had given thanks, he broke it and gave it to the disciples and said, Take and eat. This is my body, which is given for you. This do in remembrance of me. In the same way also he took the cup after supper, and when he had given thanks, he gave it to them, saying, Drink of it, all of you. This cup is the New Testament in my blood, which is shed for you for the forgiveness of sins. This do as often as you drink it in remembrance of me. The peace of the Lord be with you always. And also
King and Redeemer, to whom your faithful people have ever cried, blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. Grant that with grateful hearts we too may join in the songs of praise of those in heaven and earth who rejoice at your coming through Jesus Christ, your Son, our Lord. Amen. Receive the benediction of the Lord. The Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord make his face shine upon you and be gracious unto you. The Lord lift up his countenance upon you and give you his peace. Amen.